Well, hello, everyone, and welcome to another edition of Livestream Sunday School for Akron Alliance Fellowship Church in Akron, Ohio. Thank you so much for joining us this morning, Sunday, March the 5th, 2023. My name is Melvin Gaines. We're going to go ahead and get started with some music while we allow our audience here in the church to get settled, as well as you, those of you online who are going to be joining us. We're going to play Kevin Lemons and Higher Calling featuring Lawrence Flowers. Hallelujah, you're worthy. And it's a remix. A remix. <laughs> so we'll see how that all plays out. Thank you so much for being here this morning. We appreciate you being here. We appreciate your faithfulness and wanting to just stay in tune with God's Word. Good morning. Good morning, Ronnie. We appreciate you all. Thank you so much. Good morning, Roscoe. <laughs> he he jumps online. That's what that's what he does. <laughs> we appreciate you being here. We don't take it for granted either. Not everybody does Sunday school. Some churches just don't even do it. We're glad to be able to do it and keep on doing it. Brother Greg, good morning. Hope to see you later on. We appreciate you, brother. Amen. Amen. He is worthy of our praise. Amen. Amen. God bless you. Have a wonderful, wonderful morning. Love to have you. Thank you for being here this morning.
Amen. We appreciate you being here. See, we'll have to see if Mr. Gaines gets online after after yesterday. We'll see. <laughs> Morning, Miss Pearl. <laughs> Amen. What is that? Amen. That must be Lawrence Flowers. I'll trust that in the in the music. It's changing up. Amen. Okay. I think that'll, that'll do it for the music for this morning. Um, since it's gone into about five minutes, and we're going to try to get it more into the Sunday school lesson. But that was Kevin Lemons and Higher Calling, <clears throat> featuring Lawrence Flowers, Hallelujah, They're Worthy. There weren't, there weren't many lyrics there. It was Hallelujah, You're Worthy the entire time, pretty much. Uh, <laughs> but that's okay. It's... It it uh, it bears noting that it's very important for us to acknowledge and praise who Lord Jesus Christ is, and so we want to do that. He is indeed worthy, and He is worthy of our praise. And I guess it doesn't really hurt to say it a few times, and just keep that in mind as we go. We want to welcome everyone here in our audience in church. We have a faithful group here that is taking the time to come out uh, for Sunday school. Uh, where they could just as easily stay home if they wanted to. <laughs> but we appreciate you being here nonetheless. And thank you for those of you who joined online as well, too. We um, want to keep this going. We want to keep it up and uh, make sure that we are always focusing on the importance of studying God's Word outside of a sermon message. Amen? I mean, outside of your own personal study, we need to make sure that we're gathering together as a group uh, as we can and making sure that we're staying in the Word together. And um, iron sharpens iron. That's something that I always wanted to uh, reinforce here because um, I'm just like all of you, honestly. I'm a student uh, of the Bible, too. I'm hardly uh, qualified to say that I have everything, uh, a, a great no amount of knowledge. I have more than some, but I still possess less than a number of people. There's a lot of people out there that have a great amount of knowledge. But I think the most important, to recognize, important thing to recognize here, though, is that as we're all students, we are humble enough to recognize that we can be taught something by God as we go every day. Uh, and I pray that you always recognize that and never relinquish uh, that understanding. You always want to keep that going. 
Let's do some announcements here before we get into the material because the material is very rich. We don't have a lot of verses, but boy, there's, it is action-packed. I just want to tell you that. And good morning, Lisa. Thank you for joining us this morning. Just happened to see your name pop up. We appreciate you being here. Uh, today, uh, there will be a message, um, The Voice is the name of the message, The Voice, and there will be a uh, message pre-recorded online uh, that will be available in the Akron Alliance Fellowship timeline uh, right after Sunday school for those of you who are not coming to our church in Akron today. For those of you who are coming, uh, you'll be able to see The Voice live uh, and in person, and we will also have a feed, a, a live feed of the uh, a church service as well, too, sometime around the 11 o'clock hour. So just look out for that if you're not able to come to the church today in Akron. And if you are able to come, the weather outside is actually pretty nice. And this is supposed to be one of the nicer days that we have for a early March day uh, compared to later this week. So come on out and enjoy <laughs> enjoy the weather and come on out and join us in fellowship. And we are having communion today, by the way. Uh, today is a communion Sunday, so it's first Sunday in March. Please remember your tithes and offerings. We uh, really do appreciate you giving prayerful consideration to your tithes and offerings. We uh, really want to thank everyone who is doing just that and encourage everyone to remember that it is your worship. It is the giving, uh, worshiping by giving is the uh, reason that we always talk about that. And we talked about it a lot during COVID. So for those who are mailing your tithes and offerings, you're welcome to do so to Akron Alliance Fellowship, 688 Diagonal Road, Akron, Ohio, 44320. We appreciate your consideration. We appreciate your prayerful consideration. And uh, we just, again, thank you for um, giving uh, through worship in that manner. And now we can get into Sunday school. I think it's time to go ahead and get into it. And um, we were speaking earlier about colds. Colds are, you know, it's just one of those things we, we're all having to deal with at some point. Uh, something's been going around, amen? Um, after Sunday last week, I was uh, down with a cold. It was a pretty good one for a couple, three days. So we're getting over it, uh, but we're okay. Uh, big thumbs up. And uh, just uh, be, hang in there. Make sure you're taking your vitamins. Make sure you're taking your vitamin D. Make sure you're getting your zinc intake. Make sure you're doing everything necessary to try to fight those, fight those things off. And uh, I won't take the time to give you a list of the things that we take every day. But if I hadn't been taking those things, guess what? I still would not be doing very well. Uh, let's just trust that. God is good. He gives us what we need. But we're going to get into Sunday school, and we're going to now get into the lesson today. We're in the book of John, and we're going to be in uh, chapter 9. John chapter 9, verses 1 through 12. John chapter 9, verses 1 through 12. So we are going to be looking at specifically the first section in John chapter 9. John spends a lot of time in this chapter with this section about Jesus healing the man who was born blind. Um, it was pointed out that this is the only healing that we're aware of where the man was born blind. It was congenital blindness. He was blind from the very beginning at birth. And so this is a, 
uh, a unique healing from that aspect, but there is so much involved in this that we want to get into it a little bit deeper. And next week we'll be doing the same thing, just continuing in that study, but uh, there's enough to cover here to cover for this week. So with that in mind, thank you again for being here this morning. Those of you who have joined us online, we appreciate you being here. And uh, make sure you spread the word, too. We're here every Sunday morning, same time. Um, let's go ahead and look to the Lord with a word of prayer, and we'll get started. Father, we just thank you again for your presence. We thank you for your teaching. Lord, we want to humble ourselves before you now that you will speak to us through the power of the Spirit, that we can hear exactly what you would have us to hear and recognize exactly what you would want us to know and learn from this message, this topic that we're going to be covering today. We thank you, Lord, for quieting our souls, quieting our hearts, that we can hear you speak to us. Lord, we thank you for your teaching and your very presence this morning. Bless us and keep us, O Lord, and we give you praise and thanks in Jesus' name. Amen. All right, everyone, turn your Bibles and electronic devices to John chapter 9. Let's look at verses 1 through 12. And we're going to, uh, first of all, try to conserve the voice today, so I'm not going to do a whole lot of loud talking today. I'm just going to just keep it, keep it real, so just focus uh, <laughs> so you can hear what I'm saying. But I think that, that um, we um, will be able to get into it pretty nicely. John chapter 9, verses 1 through 12. This is in the New Living Translation, as always. Jesus has been in conflict with the religious leaders, and he is still, this is still a continuation of this, but it's just in an indirect way now where the religious leaders who are having this conflict with Jesus are going to now eventually be grilling or trying to grill this blind man after he has been healed. And so let's get started. John chapter 9, verse 1. As Jesus was walking along, he saw a man who had been blind from birth. Verse 2, Rabbi, his disciples asked him, Why was this man born blind? Was it because of his own sins or his parents' sins? It was not because of the, his sins or his parents' sins, Jesus answered. This happened so the power of God could be seen in him. Verse 4, we must quickly carry out the tasks assigned us by the one who sent us. The night is coming, and then no one can work. But while I am here in the world, I am the light of the world. Verse 6, then he spit on the ground, made mud with the saliva, and spread the mud over the blind man's eyes. He told him, go wash yourself in the pool of Siloam, Salome means sent. So the man went and washed and came back seeing. Verse 8, his neighbors and others who knew him as a blind beggar asked each other, isn't this the man who used to sit and beg? Some said he was and others said, no, he just looks like him. But the beggar kept saying, yes, I am the same one. Verse 10, they asked, who healed you? What happened? He told them, The man they called Jesus made mud and spread it over my eyes and told me, Go to the pool of Siloam and wash yourself. So I went and washed, and now I can see. Where is he now, they asked. I don't know, he replied. Okay, 
Um, that's where we're going to end that particular section here. This actually is broken up into three different parts, this, this passage here. The first section from verses 1 through 5 referred to the communication between um, the disciples and Jesus about this blind man who was spotted and about the importance of making sure that we're doing uh, the work of the Father right here and now and not waiting around and, and giving clarification as to why this man was born blind. What happened to cause that? Was it his parents? What was going on? And you have to understand that there's a reason why they asked that question. Second part of this is when Jesus did the healing in verses 6 and 7. And we're going to cover that as well too. And the last part of it is just the, the prelude before all the questions and answers that are coming from the Pharisees later on uh, about uh, his healing. So let's go back and look at the first part of this too. And we want to understand that when we look at Scripture, we want to recognize that there is a connection when we look at Scripture and look at what is involved here and note that the message is here for us as well too. We want to see and understand the significance of Jesus' healing the blind in general. And what we want to recognize is that um, this was just after, if we want to go back and look at it from a, a, per, a perspective, um, right after Jesus had declared himself to be, I am the one. And just as the Pharisees were about to pick up the stones used to for construction in the temple, he just basically walked right through them and walked out and moved on to the next thing and moved immediately to this particular section. Now understand something about this is really important. You would think under normal human circumstances, after someone tries to kill you, first thing you'd want to do is run and hide somewhere. And from a human perspective, that's exactly what you'd be thinking, right? Jesus did not take that attitude whatsoever. He kept the work going. He kept doing what he was going to do. It was much more important for him to be uh, on the mission, doing the work, continuing the work, and that's what he's emphasizing to the disciples. The work's going to be continuing. The disciples are still in training, everybody. They're still learning about this thing called ministry. And ministry sometimes, it bears us to recognize that there are going to be times where it's very convenient to minister, and there's going to be times where it's very inconvenient. But yet the ministry still continues. The ministry is still to be carried on because you're carrying it on not for your own sake, but for the sake of proclaiming the gospel of Jesus Christ, for the sake of his glory. Do you realize that we're here because we're here to glorify God? That is really, at the end of the day, the sole purpose of our very existence. We are in existence because we're here to glorify God. We're his creation. And so all the things that we sometimes try to find reasons not to do something really just kind of pale up against the fact that we're here to glorify God. And now look, and God knows your aches and pains. Amen. God knows the stuff that you're going through. God knows when you're scuffling with your health. God knows when you have things that are happening. We have people in this room who have health that they're scuffling with they're still you know coming back from a cold is not not a small thing it's a big thing sometimes we recognize that and God, we rely on God's healing power to bring us back as fast as we can 
and we rely upon his touch to help us to move our bodies that don't want to move the way they're supposed to. But at the end of the day, we're still here to glorify God and be in ministry. I'm not saying this in any way for any attention or anything special, but my wife and I, we always pray for our members of the church every single night before we go to bed because we're mindful of those scuffles, those struggles that we have to go through on a regular basis. And because we have fellowship with each other, we kind of know what's going on a little bit. We don't know everything, but we know what's happening. But we should be in prayer for each other to support each other because we are in ministry. We are here to glorify God in whatever way the Lord has given to you to do that. And he has given you. That is your reason and purpose for living. That's it. And this blind man, let's go back to the passage. Start at verse 1 again, John chapter 9. As Jesus was walking along, he saw a man who had been blind from birth. Rabbi, his disciples asked him, why was this man born blind? Was it because of his own sins or his parents' sins? I'll explain that in a moment. And, and verse 3, it was not because of his sins or his parents' sins, Jesus answered, this happened so the power of God could be seen in him. That blind man had a reason and a purpose for living. But not because he was a guinea pig for God to heal him. Let me be clear about that. These are just one of the things that we have to understand as we look at scriptures. It wasn't, he wasn't just being a guinea pig. He's there because he was created for God's glory. Period. And then verse 4, we must quickly carry out the task assigned by uh, us by the one who sent us. The night is coming and then no one can work. But while I am here in the world, I am the light of the world. Now, let's take a look at something. Why would the disciples ask, why was this man born blind? Well, there are people who have their own ideas based upon where they were coming from back in the day. Uh, scripture actually does reference it too. The pagans of the day um, believed in reincarnation. <laughs> and a lot of people today believe in reincarnation. And they were holding that having a congenital disease, being born blind from birth, uh, could have been the result of sins committed during a former existence. Now, we laugh at that. Some of us may laugh at that. I don't laugh at that. People really do believe that. Um, people believed it back then and people believe that now. That, And it kind of is in line with this whole thing. If we want to go and take a look at what it says, the Jews never accepted that, but they did make an argument about heredity. Go to Exodus 20. I want to give you a passage here just to give you a little bit more um, a background as to where this reasoning was coming from and this logic was coming from. Exodus 20, verse 5. Exodus chapter 20, verse 5. God speaking to his people, the Jews, they were told by God himself uh, and given instruction through Moses, you must not bow down to them or worship them for I, the Lord your God, am a jealous God, punishing the children for the father's sin to the third and fourth generations of those who hate me. So there is some foundation based upon what God is saying. But we need to understand and look at the context of why God would punish a third and fourth generation of people. 
We have generations of people in existence today. Let's even look at our own culture. Our own culture has deteriorated over the years since the 1950s and 60s. You know, 70% of uh, uh, marriages there were in the black community were they were people were happily married. And that has deteriorated over time. And you know why it's deteriorated? Because people have gone their own way in sin. There's been a destruction of the family that's been taking place over the times. And guess what? If you're not following God, those sins will carry over to the second and third and fourth generation where you'll see the same mistakes being made by the parents, the people coming before you. That is a valid claim, a valid point that we all need to recognize. And I just talked about the black community. I'm not even talking about anybody else. But it's very evident that there has been a deterioration of the family. And the only way to overcome that is to turn back to God and follow his ways. And we got a bunch of folks that are going off on their own way. They're not following God. The young people are not following God. A lot of them aren't. And we have to understand that that is indeed a consideration that we need to look at. It, we have people who are spiritually blind. Spiritually blind. So when you have spiritual blindness, it can be the sin of the individual, it can come from the sin of the parent, it can come from the sin of the grandparent. We're talking about generational sins. And so we also recognize too, because we know Scripture enough to know that we are the children of Adam. Adam passed to every member of the family the nature of sin. And how do we overcome sin? We have to recognize it, repent of it, and turn to God. That's how you break generational curses. That's how you break through generational sins being passed on over and over again. So that's why the disciples asked that question. Was it because of his own sins or his parents' sins? They're going by what it says in Exodus. They're actually referring to that and the general folklore for whatever it's worth. And we need to understand too that just because someone is, has an infirmity, someone is blind, does not mean that it's a judgment against that person. Going back to the premise, we are all created for the purposes of glorifying God. Period. That's the foundation that we always have to come back to. No matter how our bodies were created. John, uh, Johnny Erickson taught us she was not born as a cripple. She was not born as a paraplegic. And yet she's is doing a mighty work for the Lord with her infirmity. And there are many others. There's a, there's a guy going around right now who's speaking before crowds who has no arms and no legs. I don't know his name, but you may have seen him in videos. But, and you probably could look him up just by typing in who's the man going around preaching with no arms and no legs and yet saying mighty things for the Lord. You'll find him. But the bottom line is that he is glorifying God in his present state. And if I, if I recall correctly, he didn't start out glorifying God. He was very, you know, despondent 
what, I don't have arms or legs. But he had to do what? Come to a realization. This is going to lead to the next part, the next section here in the passage about coming to a realization about what you're created here to do and what you're here for. So, we're going to see different reactions, of course, to this healing that's taking place. And we won't see it here today. Next week we'll see it. The Pharisees were showing disbelief and prejudice. The parents believed. The parents actually did believe it. They knew about it, but they kept quiet because they were fearful of getting kicked out. Excommunication from the temple was a big deal back then. A lot of pressure was on them to keep their mouths shut. The healed man was going to show in this passage consistent growing faith. And the faith started with him believing in what Jesus told him after he got his eyes treated. Let's take a look at that. Go to verse 6. John chapter 9, verse 6. Then he spit on the ground. This is Jesus, of course. Spit on the ground, made mud with the saliva, and spread the mud over the blind man's eyes. Now, from a visual standpoint, guys, I, I try not to get too carried away. How are, you, how are you spitting in the soil and getting mud? Listen, God can do anything. And we're not talking about necessarily getting mud caked all over. Like, you know, like who, uh, ladies, you know about these, these mud treatments that you get on your face. You know, we're not talking about mud like that. We're not talking about anything of that magnitude, right? We're talking about a small amount that's put up over the eyes. So, but Jesus is doing this to show something. Because if he wanted to heal God's eyes, if he wanted to do that, a heal, I'm sorry, the man's eyes, if God wanted to do that, he didn't have to use mud to do it. He could have just said, okay, your eyes are healed, right? So now we've got, he told him, verse 7, go wash yourself in the pool of Siloam. Siloam means scent. Now John makes this point for us to see something here. The pool of Siloam. And what is the Pool of Siloam? It's actually a, a body of water, amount of water that, that was tunneled in underneath from the outside of the city so that there will be a flow of water in the area so that people could get water. Because during wartime, if you, if you didn't have access to water, you'd be in, in a lot of trouble. So this was something that was already prepared for this time for, uh, for it to be used in this manner. So the man went and washed and came back seeing. What did the man demonstrate here? He demonstrated faith. Faith. He listened to the words of Jesus. He listened to what was being said and went and washed and came back seeing. Now remember something. This was not a man who was blind at some time during his life. He had never seen before. He was born blind. So what an event this was in this man's life. To be born blind and now he can see. And so, a couple things to look at here. First of all, when we talk about having a debilitation like this man did, he was just begging because he didn't have any way of providing for himself. And we need to understand that this healing is now going to give him a better perspective on who he is and what his life really means. 
He's starting from zero. He's starting from scratch where he didn't know what his purpose was beforehand. He was existing because of the generosity of other people. I hope that you can see that as well too. When you're being healed by God, he's doing so graciously. He's doing so because he is a great physician, but he's also doing it to strengthen you and give you greater perspective as to who God is in your life and what that means for you. When Jesus spit on the ground and made mud to repair the man's eyes, he was working with original materials. Guess how we were created according to Adam? From the ground. And God put us together and made us based upon the elements of the ground. Um, God breathed life into Adam after he pulled him together from the elements of the ground. So, Genesis chapter 2, verse 7 states that. God's formed Adam's body from the dust of the ground. Jesus was showing that he, in fact, was aware of the power of what could be done just by using the very elements of what he created, the earth itself. And this isn't meant to be science fiction in any way, shape, or form, but God is the one who... We are a wonderful creation. We, we are able to do... We, yes, we have... Our bodies are deteriorating, no question about that, because we are in a fallen world. But we are an amazing creation. The fact that we can have heartbeats and we're moving along and we function and move and we have to get rest because we need to, to sleep sometimes to, uh, because we get tired, but yet God revives us and keeps us moving. And God is showing all of this, even just in the element of his healing with this blind man. Let's look at verse 8. Go back to the passage now. Man went and washed and came back seeing. Then verse 8, his neighbors and others who knew him as a blind beggar asked each other, Isn't this the man who used to sit and beg? Some said he was, and others said, No, he just looks like him. You know, people, it's really interesting how people will see something. One moment he's blind, the next moment he's seeing. And some people can see, yeah, it's the same guy. And other guys are saying, nah, it just looks like him. What is this, a twin? You know, it just looks like him. You have to understand something about faith and not having it or understanding. Sometimes we can see things that are very obvious. And yet we can deny what we're looking at. I can't believe what I'm seeing. You know what I mean? I mean, it's just, it's just a constant thing. This is something for us to always keep in mind. Recognize that, you know, I don't want to say this is believers or non-believers or anything exclusive, but some of us sometimes have to see things to believe. And some of us, what did Jesus say, though? And this is in dealing with uh, Thomas. You know, you have believed because you have seen. Blessed are those who have seen, have not seen, and yet still believe. And that's not meant to be a criticism against Thomas. Because Thomas wasn't any less blessed. But he, some people have to see it. But let us exercise our faith long enough 
and hard enough where we believe even though we don't see. We believe that God is going to do something in our lives even though we can't see it. And that's exactly what the lesson is for us here when we look at this. The same people who have seen this blind beggar Oh, that, that's just somebody who looks like him. No. The beggar kept saying, yes, I am the same one. He's using the words. He's telling us he's the same person. And he's doing so very excitedly. He had never seen before. When God does something miraculous in your life, do you want to hold back and just sit quietly? No, you want to tell people about God's goodness. You want to express yourself, <coughs> pardon me, about how God has been good to you and what he's done for you. And the works of God in you should be expressed and seen by others because it's a testimony of God's goodness. God is testifying about his goodness. God is showing you on a regular basis, His goodness. You know, when you're having a lousy, crappy day, God is still good to you? Amen? And, and that's something that we probably should just always circle back to get back into His Word. Even when you're having one of the worst days you can possibly have, God is still good to you. I know that beggar who was blind had a, lou a lot of lousy, crappy days. Because what was there to look forward to? Except now for Jesus. Amen? But for Jesus, we have a different outlook. We have a different outcome. And we know that Jesus had a day that wasn't so great either when He went to the cross. But yet He did so because he loved us. He saw the bigger picture. The humanity of Jesus saw the bigger picture. The humanity of Jesus did not enjoy suffering. Amen? How can you enjoy being taking lashes? How can you enjoy when your hands are being nailed to a cross? How can you enjoy ridicule and scorn? Yet he did it because he loved us. He did it because he had the greater perspective of doing so for our sake. God created you and me for his glory. So, and one thing I did miss earlier, and I apologize for that, but he was reiterating a statement back in verse 5, and I just want to cover that very quickly. He's saying, while I'm here in the world, I'm the light of the world. I'm the light of the world. He is reiterating that he is in fact the one who is, had come to the earth to perform his work. And he was saying so because there was a limited amount of time left because soon it would be dark. Just like you know when you're doing your landscaping outside, you're doing your work outside cutting the grass and you know, you've only got so much time before you, you have to finish before it gets dark outside. You can't be outside cutting the grass at 9 o'clock at night when you can't see anything 
At least not until it gets to the summertime anyway. But you're not out there cutting the grass after that point because you can't see. There's all kinds of things you can hit, run over with your mower, jack your mower up, fall down and hurt yourself. While there was still time. And remember, we're getting closer to the time of Jesus going to the cross here because remember, the Pharisees were coming after him. They were trying to find reasons to come after him. Okay. So, the blind man had to be obedient. Christ had touched this man even though the man could not see him. The man was obedient. The man obeyed the commands of a total stranger in Jesus. A total stranger. Because that's faith. Faith without seeing. How about that? That's the lesson we learn here. And John is maintaining the deity of Christ here by talking about this subject matter. And the blind man still has to obey. Even though he's trying to heal him. What if the blind man didn't go to the pool of Siloam to wash? He'd be walking around with mud on his eyes. Here's mud in your eye. He'd just be walking around with that. Amen? I think my wife picked up on that too. So that statement. But he wouldn't be healed. He had to do those very things. The blind man needed the water to make him see. Water? Where do we get that from? We look at the living water. Jesus declared himself to be the living water. Of course, that water was based upon the act of him seeing. Water by itself does what? It cleanses. It washes. If you've got dirty hands, the last thing you want to do to keep from getting a cold is putting your fingers in your eyes. Amen? You go wash your hands. Wash your hands and keep yourself clean. That cleansing, the cleansing power of water, washing your hands along with soap, of course, does the trick. But God's healing power was what we were seeing demonstrated here. And later on in the chapter, in this chapter here too, the Jews needed to see this testimony of God's healing. Because in John 9.29, it says, We know that God spake unto Moses, for as this fellow we not know from whence he is. They had to see that the healing of this man, this blind man, was that Jesus was indeed the deity, the God-man being sent from the Father. The Messiah. It was a further demonstration of the work of Jesus. And can we agree that when we're looking at how Jesus heals, He has many different ways of healing. He has many different ways of healing us. And Jesus can heal the mind, of course, too. Jesus heals our minds. He heals our hearts. He heals our bodies physically. We talk a lot about physical healing, but there's a lot more going on when it comes to overcoming spiritual blindness. God has to heal that too. He has to speak it and it happens. He says it and it takes place in God's creation. 
He speaks it and it happens. I had to go back and look at what God's creation back in Genesis chapter 1 about how God had worked with basically water upon water, a void, a, a formless body. You know, when God started, He'd not start with a sphere as we understand it and look at it. He, it was a, a body without form. And He had to speak it into existence. The separation of air and water, water being removed from water, and then eventually the land on the third day of the creation land came into existence and provided form to the world. And he spoke all those things. When God speaks it, he does it. When God says it, it takes place. And we need to see from this demonstration here, (laughs) in the commentary, I know a lot of blind folk today, blind in quotes, who will argue about the necessity of an experience about getting saved. Well, wait a minute. Salvation comes from where? The heart. You have to decide you want to be saved. You have to decide that you want Jesus in your heart. And the moment you say that you want Him, He comes. He's there. He's present. The moment that you desire in faith that you want Jesus in your life, He comes. Do you know that many people choose to be blind? It's a choice. It's something that you choose to do. It's something that you recognize you don't want Jesus in your life. You think that what you're doing is much more important. And I'm thankful that everybody in this room is not in that category. We recognize the importance of Jesus being in our lives. But we still have to make that ultimate first choice, decision, to acknowledge Jesus as Lord by faith. Jesus says without faith, it's impossible to please Him. If it's impossible to please Him and you lack faith, that means you're not following Him. You're not believing in Him. You're not trusting in Him. Salvation is really a simple thing. It may be one of the most hardest things for some people to do, but it really is a simple thing. It's just coming to Jesus. Experiencing His power. Allowing Him to be a part of your life. And doing so in a manner where He's going to show you things, just like He he is showing the blind man, show Him things He never would have experienced without trusting in Jesus. We have to believe in Him. The important thing is not just to see him, but believe in Him. Jesus knew that some people would only believe in Him because of His works. Remember what I said about seeing is believing? He knew that. He knows there are people out here like this. But He just wants you now to take a step of faith and believe in Him. Back to the passage. They asked, verse 10, John chapter 9, we're on the home stretch. 
They asked, who healed you? What happened? He told them, the man they called Jesus made mud and spread it over my eyes and told me, go to the pool of Siloam and wash yourself. So I went and washed and now I can see. Where is he now, they asked. I don't know, he replied. And we'll pick up with that next week about where he was and what happened to him and what the next steps are. But you see, even in this brief mention here, the importance of the faith of the blind man to take that step of faith and allow for God to heal him as a testimony for everyone around him. A testimony. How can a blind man from birth never saw anything now see? They couldn't point to anything he did other than just believe in Jesus. It was Jesus' healing. May we always recognize, we don't know, always know the timing of it, and we don't always understand sometimes why God heals us in some areas and others we're still walking around. You know, like uh, Jacob did with a, a walk in his hip, uh, a, a hole in his hip. He was limping around. The reality is, is that it's just a matter of God showing him something individually, but God has an opportunity to speak to you individually about where you are in your life today. And to just say thank you for what he has done for you. You're here to glorify him. Let's pray. Father, thank you for understanding that comes from this passage where we know that faith is indeed where we need to be when it comes to our relationship with you. Even that mustard seed of faith, Lord, thank you for giving us the ability to believe in you and trust in you. Lord, teach us as we go. Remind us about our purpose that we're here to glorify you. No matter where we come from or no matter where we're going, we thank you for that teaching and that truth. Even on our worst days, Lord, remind us that you love us and that we're here because you have us to be here to glorify you. We thank you for the teaching and we ask that you bless us now and keep us in Jesus' precious name. Amen. Thanks, everyone, for joining us for another edition of Livestream Sunday School for Akron Alliance Fellowship. We appreciate you being here today. Stay tuned online for the message, The Voice. It'll be available pre-recorded. And for those of you coming to Akron, join us uh, right here, and we'll, you'll hear the same message live and in person. Take care of yourselves. God bless you, and we'll see you next time. <laughs>